Hey folks, and welcome to the Week in Review. This is my first attempt to try and record this thing directly onto the podcast creator as opposed to going from YouTube over to this other thing and doing all the kinds of crazy shit. Hopefully this will make life easier on Matt, uh, as well as a couple of the other folks that do the back-end production for the show. So, we are officially 10 days in, if I'm not mistaken, perhaps more. Yeah, 11 games have been played by the Angels and a couple of, uh, just the Angels? That's weird. That can't be right. Anyway, there's been a low in the A's. Uh, 11 games played by a couple teams, 10 by most, 8 by some, if you're the Cleveland Indians, the Cleveland baseball team, excuse me. Let's talk about it, right? Let's talk about the weekend review. Let's talk about the current standings. Let's make crazy predictions. Let's get weird uh, and, and really be a pain in the ass about what we're doing here. So, to start, let's take a real quick look at, um, I guess, what has gone down over the past week, right? Um, it's been a fast 11 days, uh, if you want to to call it that. So a lot of what we've seen have been veterans signing to uh, minor league deals, right? You've got guys like Chris Volstad. Uh, who signed with the Chicago White Sox. you got Jamar Gomez, who signed with the Chicago White Sox. you got Jake Odorizzi, who signed with the Chicago White Sox. you got Matt Lawless, who signed with the Chicago White Sox, all on minor league deals for the minor leagues. Obviously, the White Sox concerned with the loss of uh, some of their rotation here and trying to look out for what they're going to do. You had a couple of small trades involving the Rockies, and you had one big trade involving the Rockies. Surprising that they... Um, Get made the trade, right? So we'll talk about Brett Nicholas going to the Rockies here in a little bit. You've always got the ever fun, let's call it a uh, a carousel of, you know, like young guys who aren't quite living up to expectations being released from one organization and the other organizations gobbling them up like they're hungry, hungry hippos and hoping some of these guys' developments take a boost. Uh, and they move forward. Specifically, the Rockies actually did a ton of this. If you look back through what was happening, it looks like the, the Reds basically purged their entire minor league system. And then the Rockies came through and signed a whole bunch of players. Um, you know, that that uh, look, a couple of them look like they could be fairly decent. You know, the, the Phillies just did the same thing. Um, I can't pick a name out of the hat for you right now, but I know that there were some guys out there, the Braves, my favorite team went out and signed a guy like Garland Williams, who I think isn't spectacular, but he's an interesting piece to be let go and, and set out onto the free agent list. He's now in double A, I think, for the Braves. So a lot of that went on, right? So there's a lot of little things like that. You then have um, Christian Cologne got dealt to Cleveland for $200,000. I don't know where he's going to fit into that. He's in triple A now. So a lot of small moves, right? Nothing really worth talking about on the transaction phase until we get to the injury that happened in Colorado, which I think is what drove, I don't think, I know for a fact, is what drove this move to go get 32-year-old Brett Nicholas, who is a solid, if unspectacular, defensive catcher with a good bat with the propensity to strike out at a high rate, but also flashed a lot of pop. He had 20 home runs in 2019 and in 2020 as the, the Rays' main catcher. You know, he is a good piece he is partially retained he's done after this year anyway so it's not a big hit for the rockies who had some cash to spend and brett nicholas slides into the rockies uh duo here as they wait for jed mckinley to come back in nine weeks um and he will fit in here next to g-man Choi, who you know i'm sure the rockies are glad they didn't trade him at this point they tried to pawn him off on a lot of different people uh you'd have to assume that nicholas will be the primary as he is significantly better defensively than Choi is. But again, you've got a one-two punch now with Choi and Nicholas that you don't have to worry about 
as much with Jed McKinley being out. Now, do the Rockies really need to worry about that anyway? They're off to an eight and two start. They've scored 72 runs over the 10 games. The quick math means that they're averaging seven runs a game with the highest batting average in the National League, the highest OBP, the highest OPS, the highest batting war, the highest WOBA. Shockingly behind in home runs, but I still have to assume that's going to catch up. The fact that they're being led by home runs by Wendell Ayers uh, should tell you something about you know where their their power is at the moment. You have to expect that's going to pick up. Uh, Wendell Ayers is already off to almost catching his war from all of last season with this hot start he's on to this year. Bregman is yet to get hot. That's going to happen. This team's going to catch up, right? So anyway, got off a little track. The, the, the point is, what's the leading in stolen bases? So basically leading in every Amer- often offensive category. Uh, and actually not that bad. They're, they're actually second in physically independent pitching uh, by 3.7, which is something that I, uh, God, I'm terrified to look at that for my team. Anyway, so that is the trade, right? Brett Nicholas goes for a bunch of prospects. You know, uh, they're both going to say that they love the prospects. You know, that, that's that Eddie made the trade. So of course, oh yeah, I love the prospects that gave up. And then, um, John Hines down in Tampa has obviously got something in mind for these guys because he made the trade. But I think in his mind, anything he can get for Brett Nicholas is a win. You've got Connor Grahams, who will probably end up in the bullpen looking at his makeup. Jordan Brewer, who, you know, he's 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 what he is. And then Alberto Acosta, he's 17 years old. Uh, he was in the international complex. Love the power potential for this 17-year-old kid. He's going to strike out a million and a half times on his way to the bigs. But he can figure it out. Uh, jumping from the international complex to rookie ball here for the uh, Rays, you know, you've got something to think about. So that is the transaction news, right? Like I said, nothing really to look at there. If you want to look at like who's still available, um, you know, in, in some of the uh, free agents that are still out there, Brian Wilson is still a free agent. Um, he pitched for a couple of different teams, Texas and Toronto last year. A guy who's probably past his prime and should probably announce his retirement, but he's still available as a potential piece on the, uh, you know, waiver wire there. There's a couple guys that that you could go out and maybe there'd be a couple more big free agent signings. Um, and then, you know, Augusto Garcia is still out here, a guy that I don't think has ever really been great, but he's been serviceable in his time with Washington. Didi Gregorius, Eric Cosmer, Esteban Ortiz is still out here uh, for somebody looking for a, you know, a, a good corner outfield or infielder, excuse me, Justin Upton, Matt Adams. There's still some pieces out there that nobody's going to write a huge article about them when they get signed, but there's some pieces here that you have to figure out will end up somewhere at some point. So anyhow, let's move on to making some wild assumptions. If I were to tell you these were your division leaders, you know, there's nobody here to talk to, which kind of sucks, but what would surprise you the most? The Boston Red Sox and Baltimore Orioles tied for first place in the American League East at 500, mind you, uh, but they are there at the top of the division. Now, the Blue Jays, um, Mitch, don't know Mitch's last name, oh no, Uh, but Mitch from the Toronto Blue Jays has talked about, you know, why Mitch Bannon, um, the fact that this team, despite being um, back there, is leading the division, leading the American League in slugging. They're they're just mashing the ball offensively. They have struggled a little bit with some pitching. They've just caught some bad breaks, honestly, uh, with a tough schedule out of the gates, if I'm not mistaken. I know they took on the Angels for four. Uh, it's basically been Yankees and, and Angels, who are two good teams with Texas wedged in between. You know, so they've had a rough go of it. Um but I'm still, I'm just shocked here, right? So, all right, sorry, let me get through all these guys. There's the Red Sox and the Orioles leading the American League East in a tie at five and five each. The Cleveland baseball team is five and three with only eight games played, t- 
tied in the win column with the Chicago White Sox, three ahead in the loss column with the White Sox at five and six. Again, the division only one team above 500. Uh, the Angels are atop the AL West. No surprise here as they have won two in a row and gone eight and two over the last 10. The Mariners are eight and two right behind them, only trailing in the win column by one run, one game. The Atlanta Braves are at eight and two after putting up seven runs in the bottom of the ninth last night to come back and beat the Marlins. Uh, they hold an eight and two record to lead the National League East. The Pirates are seven and three, tied with the St. Louis Cardinals, also at seven and three. Uh, the Pirates did hold a seven, uh, one game lead over the Cardinals, but a, a loss last night for the, the Pirates and a win for the Cardinals brought it to a tie here. And then the Rockies lead the National League West. A lot of these teams aren't surprising. You know, the Angels being on top of the AL West, well, I don't think they finished there. You guys have to assume the, the Mariners catch them is not surprising. The Rockies being on top of the National League West is not surprising. What is surprising is the Diamondbacks are down there at five and six, and the goddamn Dodgers at two and eight. We'll get into them in a little bit, is also very surprising. The Pirates and the Cardinals being atop the National League Central, despite my continued Pirates hate for whatever reason, is not surprising, right? The Cardinals are supposed to be there. As Anonymous GM told us a couple of weeks ago, the Pirates pitching staff is very good and very underrated. Despite the loss of Alex Bregman, this team is first in the American League in home runs, as every starter outside of uh, Bryce Terang, who's not really a home run hitter, has already hit one out of the park. Michael Conforto has just continued to rake uh, as he is already up to five. And you guys got like Jared Stevens and Alec Baum, two rookies who are uh, they got from Atlanta in a trade that sent a couple pitching prospects back to Atlanta are both up here. They both hit a couple. Alec Baum looks like a real deal. So they've got some guys here, right? Like the Pittsburgh offense is really coming to fruition. And the fact that Alec Baum has developed the way he is kind of answers that question of why did they deal Alec Bregman? I really like this kid. The more I look at him, I'm fucking furious that he is not in the Braves uniform right now. Um, what was I talking about? Right. The National League Central, right? So that's not really surprising. The Cubs and the Brewers are both at five and five and the lowly Reds are sitting there at the bottom, uh, two and eight. So not, no surprise there. The Cleveland baseball team being on top of the AL Central also does not surprise me, right? They are supposed to be there. The White Sox are supposed to be in second. The Tigers are not supposed to be in third, although it's not a great record at four and five. The Twins are not supposed to be in fourth at three and seven. And, and the poor Royals, you know, at two and seven, I don't think that's where they thought they'd be, but we expected them to be at the bottom of the division. If you go to the American League East, there's no reason the Jays should be in third place. Now, again, it's a half a game and we're 10 games in, but the Jays are there in third place. So let's take a second to marvel at the fact that the Red Sox and Orioles are both five and five sitting at the top of this division. The Red Sox have more reason to be there than the Orioles by most people's, you know, probably interpretations, especially when you look at the rankings, being that the uh, Orioles don't rank top 10 in anything offensively. And then they don't rank top five in anything other than defensive efficiency um, from the defensive side of the thing. Their pitching, you know, isn't spectacular. I, I think they've just been getting, I mean, they basically just played Boston and New York to this point. So it's not like they've had a tough schedule, although they did shut out the friggin' Mariners last night, uh, four to nothing. You know, the Mariners claimed that they, sent out the B lineup, but I do see Elliot Jenkins, Eva Longoria, Mark Baker, Armando Cabanas, Manny Machado, Francisco Lindor, Julian Silva, Jack Peterson, and Maloney. So maybe those are the guys that he's considering his B lineup, and Casey Kelly, not his best starter, did pitch. So there might be some truth to the fact that there was a little bit off of that roster, but that's basically all of his starters, minus what? Jason Castro. Um, that's it, bud. That was, don't give me that crap, Justin. That was your starting lineup. You got shut out 4-0 by 
Riley Ferguson of the, the, uh, the Baltimore Orioles, the five and five division leading Baltimore Orioles. Take it here, folks. They're going to the, no, they're not going anywhere. Um, and then obviously the National League East, that is surprising. The Braves, well, I tend to believe they're a little better than the market does. They're not eight and eight and two baseball team. They shouldn't win eight games in a row. And what happened yesterday is an aberration, right? Again, down six runs in the ninth to come back and score seven in the ninth to win. Um, despite the fact that their best hitter and, and National League home run leader, actually, I think it's baseball's home run leader, Taylor Sparks, went 0 for 5 uh, to still come back and score 10 runs and win the game was was spectacular. So you have to appreciate what's going on in Atlanta, as short-lived as it may be. Their offense has been carrying them through as they are in top five in every offensive category outside of the base pass and actually runs against, and the starters have been very, very good. Really what's carrying them is their defense. They're first in defense efficiency, first in ZR, and they've committed zero errors through 10 games. I sure am jinxing that, uh, as, as I've mentioned it two days in a row here. You know, we'll see what a small injury to Marvin Groon does for a couple of days. But that, that's surprising to me, right? The one that I think the two that are most surprising to me are the, the Orioles and the Braves being on the top of their divisions. That's the most surprising in a positive light. And then the teams like the Mets at three and seven at the bottom of the National League East. That's surprising to me. They've won two in a row after starting one and seven. So it's good to see them turning it around here um, and starting to pick up some some pace. But three and seven is not the start that Bruce thought he was going to get. Now, the news did break out of the uh, out of flushing, excuse me, that Kyle Redatz is now back into the bullpen to the joy of all baseball fans everywhere. He was just just transcendent to watch out there last year. He made two starts and had a 22 ERA. I think that was a pretty easy thing to do. And by the way, that might actually be. Yeah, he's actually pitched the bullpen since then uh, to to get a a um, God. He gave up a run in that too. He came out of the bullpen to get the close, but he gave up a run in that situation too. Five in the third inning, and he's given up thirteen runs. Um, you know, I don't know. I don't think he's ever going to be as good as he was last year. I think that was an aberration, but it's it's good to see him getting back into this thing. I am losing track of this thing and we're already at 15 minutes so you know there's not a lot else to talk about here i think maybe we should do a division breakdown later in the week but i wanted to make sure we at least got out here to talk about the fact that 11 days into the season things aren't where they should be now it's 11 days into the season and we will get some more uh, specific stuff i'm sure but it's been fun thus far tonight really quickly just to get a look at the schedule uh I guess not that it really, really matters, right? Again, we, we all know where we are. If I know where to find it, um, you know what, screw it. I, I've got no idea where to find it. You know where to find the schedule. You know who you're playing against. Make sure that you are. Um, here we go. We got the Pirates playing the the Padres. Joey Musgrove will go against Chris Scalise. You got the Marlins and the Braves. Lance McCullers versus Colby Allard. You've got the Nationals and the Cardinals, Edward Wraith versus Craig Cooper. That'll be an excellent pitching matchup. The Reds and the Giants, Dean Cromwell versus Bryce Bandalia, or Bandia, excuse me, that's a good pitching matchup as well. Mariners look for revenge against the Baltimore Orioles as it's Danny Holson Day sporting a 0-5-6 ERA uh, against Nelson Navarro. That seems like a Mariners victory, but so did yesterday, and it didn't work out. The Rangers versus the Rays, Cody Okadai Senga versus Jamie Widner who is a very good pitcher who has struggled out of the gate. Hopefully, Jamie Widner can get back on track today. Brady Singer goes for his second Angel start, I believe, here against the uh, poor Royals with Casey Mize. 
that poor bastard making his second major league start at 12 for six ERA going to go against the Angels. I don't know why you would do that to your man. Uh, Cleveland takes Chicago. Sean Stevens versus Bill Black. Sean Stevens was excellent in his start. Got the tough luck loss. Bill Black has been rough this year, but you still have to believe he's excellent. That's a good pitching matchup. Detroit places Houston or, oldest, or Anthony Chapman excuse me, versus Will Rainey. Two guys sporting the ERAs above seven. Boston faces Minnesota. Edward Small versus Nathan Ivaldi. Again, two guys sporting ERAs north of seven. Dylan Bundy for the Jays will take on John Lester. Sorry, Dylan Bundy of the Yankees will face John Lester of the Blue Jays. It's the four and six Yanks take on the five and six Jays. The Colorado Rockies will throw Miguel Pineda for his third start. He's been spectacular this year against Jared Cozart. The Dodgers, who I did not get to talk about, they have been terrible. Cozart's 0-2 with a 10.13 ERA. Put your money on the Rockies. That's guaranteed cash. Zach Greinke goes for the A's to face off against Shohei Otani, the two-way wonder out there in Arizona. Uh, the Cubbies will throw Dakota Hudson versus Pedro Cuevas for the Milwaukee Brewers as the battle of the 500 NL Central teams rages on. And Alberto Vega tries to get things back on track, as you have to assume he will at some point for the season, uh, against Sean Gilmartin. And the struggling Phillies, they have a good baseball team in Philly. Their pitching staff is going to be rough. Gilmartin's not one of the tough ones, but uh, that'll be a good pitching matchup as well as Gilmartin and Vega are both very, very good. This has been the Week in Review. I went way too long. I'm out of here. Thank you very much.